Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. If you have your Bibles this morning, go with me to the book of Luke 19. Luke 19. This morning, the Word of God is coming to us with the title called The Desperation of the Destitute. The Desperation of the Destitute. We've all heard the saying, desperate people do desperate things. Sometimes God's calling us to do some desperate things, but He'll make us desperate if He has to. Last night, Brother Will had made that comment in prayer in our prayer service, and he said, It's kind of a shame that the things that desperate people would do, I guess in a sense of tenacity or shall we use the word unction, a little fire under our toes in terms of crying out to God. It's a shame that we always have to be put in positions that the natural mind says, oh yeah, let's start crying out. Y'all follow where I'm going? Y'all follow that? It's a shame And I know that I'm guilty. I stand before you now, guilty as charged, and I'll quote the Apostle Paul, I'll be chief among them. Stand in line, front of the line, that when it comes to the unction of the body of Christ, so often, unfortunately, that God has to put us in positions that will cause us to cry out. That song we just sang, Though you slay me, yet will I serve you. Though you take from me, I will bless your name. Though you ruin me, still will I serve you. You're enough, you're enough, you're enough. I know there's many in this room that can say they've lost a mom, they've lost a dad. They know what it's like to lose a loved one physically in this world. And having sung that song many times with Jacob, and we absolutely love Shane and Shane's music ministry, they're anointed of God. But when you see the, the birthing, of that that worship and it was when his mom well he lost his dad but his mom lost her husband and and little old woman just broken banging on his chest you see that visual and literally holding his mom and as he heard his mom say he gives and he takes but blessed be the name of the lord i don't know about y'all i don't know about y'all but there is a spirit of desperation that God is trying to birth in the church. He's trying to birth in me and all of us here in this room. And that happens when we come to a point of some of the hardest of hardships. We find ourselves looking in the mirror with the greatest of limitations. Luke chapter 19, verse 1, everybody have a say amen. It says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was uh, the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. And he ran and climbed into the sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured and said, 
that he was gone to be the guest of a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken any from any other man by false accusation, I will restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come unto the house, to this house, for as much he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save that which is lost. Pray with me and for me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for your precious word. I thank you, God, that it is only by your word that we can be saved, that we can be set free, that we can be delivered, healed, full of the Holy Ghost and with power. God, your word is rhema and logos. God, your word is spirit. You have filled us with your word, God, and we just honor it, Lord, and ask that you would anoint my lips to teach and preach, only that you would have me teach and preach. And I pray that Heart of Worship Church in this room, God, would have anointed ears to hear the word of the Lord and to heed the word of the Lord. I pray, God, that we will not only be, not be hearers only, but be also doers of the word of the living God. And Lord, we come to you this moment and this time to hear the word for those that are here, and they are for such a time as this. We praise you and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's children said, Amen. Zacchaeus didn't exactly have the, the loss of a loved one. In this, of course, at some point he might have. In reference to the passage, we find that his limitation was short of stature. We find his limitation was of bad reputation. People even mocked him and said, how could Jesus? He is a sinner. Oh, if Jesus was the Son of God, why would he sup and, and go to the household of this publican who was a tax collector? Zacchaeus did not allow the limitations, which was his short stature. He was a small man, but rich. He wasn't a very strong man. It said that he didn't press through the crowd. He climbed the tree. He did what he had to do, my brother, to see Jesus. And I know some of us might be thinking, well, climb a tree. I did that at two. I know I did too. But he did something different. He didn't worry about the crowd. He didn't even fight him when they said, oh, he's a sinner. How many of us would turn around and be like, well, what's your laundry list look like? He ignored him. Y'all notice that? It said that he said, God, I'm going to give you them fourfold. If I've done anything, anyone wrong by false accusation, it said, I'm going to give them fourfold, Jesus, and I'm giving you everything. See, we get lost in the text. The emotion of that situation is a man who, by all accounts, had limitations, but he did something that no, most would not want to do. He climbed the tree. He did what he had to do to see Jesus. And some of us will stop at short of simple prayer because metaphorically we're looking over the back of the heads of people above us and say, oh, well, maybe that ministry's for them. Press in. Climb a tree. Dig a hole. Do what you got to do. The desperation of the destitute is the word of the Lord. Don't have to turn there. Go, uh, I'll pull up on the screen. I actually missed an opener. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. I want us to see this real quick. Exodus, the third chapter and the seventh verse, records what God the Father had told Moses at the burning bush. And I'm just going to read this simple verse. It says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I have surely seen the affliction of my people, the Israelites, who at this time, four hundred years of slavery 400 years of slavery i have heard their cry 
by reason of their taskmasters. I have heard their cry, y'all wake up, by reason of their taskmasters. I have heard Brother Wayne's cry by reason of his diagnosis. Y'all follow? Brother Wayne, you know I love you. That's your testimony, brother. I've heard their cry by reason of the loss of family. Problem is, a lot of us don't cry. We ask. We might even go as far to beg God. But the unction is lost in the church, in the pulpit even. The unction is the point I'm getting at. My daddy told me this, Brother Matt. When I was a kid, he would say these words. How big is your want to? Desire can become at all levels. I might want something, but if I really want that blueberry cream cheese cake, I'm going to beg. I might even cry for it. We petition the Lord, Pastor Glenn. Church, if you're watching, you petition God. Heal me. Save my children. Do these things. How big is your want to? Zacchaeus didn't let the crowd stop him. Zacchaeus didn't let his height. Let me just say, he didn't sell himself short. <laughs> he did what he had to do, church. But by way of the taskmasters, that God has, hear, has heard our cry. For I know their sorrows. Now, at the end of this message, I have a, a note I want us to point to. Maybe my wife, she's good at reminding me about things. I want to connect the dots with this Exodus part. God heard the cry of his people by way of the torment they were enduring for 400 years. The cries went up. Oh, God, we need you. Amen. Y'all following? I have a note about the sycamore tree. Interesting thought, the sycamore tree was one of the most valued trees in all of that region or even in Israel because the sycamore tree, A, produced much fruit and it was also extremely durable and light. Similar to the way we would compare it to metal would be our sycamore would be like titanium. Extremely durable, but ultra light. Hard to break, easy to carry. The tree represents the cross. The Old Testament tells us, curses is any man that hangs on a tree. And it was referencing a messianic prophecy, Jesus being the one who took our shame, who took the curse of sin and death. Amen. But he also said this, Jesus said, take and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is going to a spiritual symbolism, a man of short stature. He could have tried to press through the crowd did his own physical way, but he chose the cross. I thought that was interesting. To produce much fruit. Mark chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Mark chapter 5. After we read a few verses in Mark chapter 5, we're going to go to Mark chapter 10, so it'll be just to the right. Mark chapter 5, this was the birth of the message that God had given me from this week. I'm driving down the road and God's very clearly, very specifically, we're talking about how God speaks to us in knowing, right? It's amazing. And, and somebody, Pastor Glenn, maybe I forget who, made the statement in an answer to say, the more you hear God, the more you'll recognize his voice. And I'll even say this, the more you heed to that voice, 
the more you'll know it's his voice. Because obviously the question is, was that just me, Tazi? Because I talk to myself a lot. Sometimes it gets too cluttery and God's like, shh, trying to say something. So we got to learn his voice, but the best way is not only listen, but heeding to it. To be able to take on that and then apply it. But he just spoke so clear as day. As I'm saying this, ready, set, quiet, it was the woman with the issue of blood. Right there. And then it was just snowballed from there. The woman with the issue of blood. Y'all know where I'm going, theologians, amen? <laughs> Chapter 5, verse 25. Mark 5, 25. It says, And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians. Taking account, 12 years is a long time. There were many doctors, specialists. Some of y'all know what it's like. Y'all have seen doctor, physician, specialist, surgeon, all of them. And she had spent all that she has, it says. All of her money was spent upon her condition of blood and was nothing better, but rather it grew worse. So now she's 12 years into this. She's flat broke. She's not any better, but actually worse. If I say that's a bad day. But when she heard of Jesus, came into the press behind, this is all going pretty quick. She heard of Jesus. She came into the press behind, meaning she did press through and touch his garment. For she said that if I touch his clothes, if I just but touch, if I may touch but only his clothes, I shall be whole. And straight away, the fountain of her blood was dried up. She had internal bleeding. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing himself that the virtue has gone out of him, turned about the press and said, Who touched me? <laughs> He's surrounded by people. Y'all know what the disciples are about to say, right? Y'all know what that you're about to say. He's surrounded by people, and Jesus, immediately knowing that the virtue has gone, he says, Who touched me? And his disciples said, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and you say, Who touched me? You're surrounded by a multitude. You give the biggest fish fries. You raise the dead. You know all of the city is going to follow you like lemmings. You know that. And they are pressing Jesus. Y'all ever been shoulder to shoulder in maybe a concert, you know, before Christ? Anyone? Y'all know what that's like? That's exactly what we're reading. So Jesus says, who touched me? So that's a, a hilarious statement. Even the disciples called him on it. And he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. That's Jesus. But the woman fearing and trembling, knowing that it, what, what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto their da her daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now she was in fear. Got a little bit of a history. The woman was sick. We don't understand in 2019 America what it was in A.D. 33 in Jerusalem, Capernaum. If you were sick and you had issues of blood, you were considered unclean. And you were not allowed to be among the press or multitudes. In fact, depending on the condition, you had an own colony. She was not allowed to be around people, let alone in thronging through them and pressing through. Had she not been healed, she could have been gone to prison or killed. She took a risk. It's not even in my notes, but here we go. She took a risk to risk her own life. 
Desperate people do desperate things. And while all the crowd, my brother, was thrown around Jesus, rubbing shoulders with the king of kings, only one person touched him. Multitudes surrounding Jesus loved him. He became popular. You start raising the dead in Simsport, you're going to have a lot of people following you. Okay? And everybody wants to rub shoulders with a popular guy. A lot of church folk right here and now. Some of y'all watching know people I'm talking about. Rub shoulders with Jesus. Oh, even on the holiest of holiest front pews. But they never touch him. I know people that sit in the back pew that touch Jesus more than those in the front. Metaphorically speaking. You can be around Jesus your whole life and never touch. She pressed through the crowd. The crowd represents those who rub shoulders with Jesus but never touch him. Go further and go further and pursue. Pursue God. The desperation of the destitute. God is looking for people to do desperate things, but we don't have to become destitute to be desperate. I'm going to say that again. We don't have to become destitute to do desperate things. How big is your want to? Mark chapter 10. And this is the final passage. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Lord, make us desperate. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. Everybody have a say, amen. And they came into Jericho and they went out of, the Je- went out of Jericho with his disciples. Now this is Jesus, of course, with his disciples. A great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many, I want y'all to take note of verse 48. We're we're not going to be long, but I won't. Please pay attention. Many charged him that he should hold his peace. How many of y'all know religious folk that tell you just a little bit too loud? You just shout a little bit too much. I, I tread cautiously with my words, but my reaction to them was simply, you probably just a little too dead. Many charged him that he would hold his peace, ladies and gentlemen, but he did what? Cried the more a great deal. He didn't listen to when the crowds, some of the pressure of the world, when everyone says that he should shut up. When people that I know are pastors, leading congregations, telling me to do things that I know or contrary to the word of God. I dare not name names. Hear me. Contrary to the word of God. Businessmen in pulpits and not servants. I'm going to cry all the more, Brother Matt. I'm going to cry all the more because I need him. I don't stand before you today saying that I figured everything out. I'm broken and undone just like y'all. Cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 49, and Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. (laughs) That's amazing. And he cast away his garment and rose and came to Jesus. He cast it away. Give myself away, give myself away so you can use me. Cast his garment. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately, everybody say the word immediately. Immediately he received his sight 
and followed Jesus in the way. Had he listened to the crowd, church, and thought, yep, okay, I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful. He would have stayed begging on that highway. Have we, ha, when we listen to the pressures of religion or even the world that tell us to just be silent, oh, just go to church, oh, you love Jesus too much, Elizabeth, you crazy, you love Jesus way too much, you need to cut that out, you tone that down a little bit, I'm, oh, that's it, when you have your family, your co-workers, and even the church that tell you you need to calm down a little bit. You need to cry out all the more. Now, I'm not talking about, of course, in the flesh and arrogance and probably look at me. I'm so religious. Of course not. But when there is a tenacity that says, I'm trying to reach heaven. I'm broken because my family's falling apart. I'm going to cry. I'm going to weep. I'm going to run to this altar. I'm going to praise. I'm going to do the things that desperate people do. Y'all follow what I'm saying? The church ain't desperate because they ain't chasing after Jesus. They're too satisfied with their religion. So God is going to cause you to be desperate. He's a jealous God. That's what the scripture tells me. The blind man wouldn't let the pressures of the people shut him up. He knew who he was calling upon. And when you get the revelation of who Jesus is, you will cry all the more. When you get the revelation of just who Jesus is, <laughs> ain't nobody going to stop you, Pastor. Ain't nobody going to stop you, Brother Will. I am fully persuaded that my Jesus will be the, uh, the answer to every problem you have. Every problem. Some of y'all in this room have a different story than me. Follow where I'm going. You've seen Jesus move the mountains that he's never moved in my life. But let me say this. I've seen mountains moved in my life that you might not have seen. And the Jesus that you have experienced, you've got faith in for those specific mountains. And everyone coming together, my Jesus has also done this. Brother, I ain't never been in no wheelchair. But you know the Jesus that took you out. You might have never been addicted to cocaine and crystal meth. But that bondage of addiction for three years of being homeless, snorting everything under, my, under the sun in my nose, I know that Jesus that moves that mountain. So when we come together, and there's a crippled man right here, Brother Chris and I, and a drug addict over there, we're going to have together the power of the Jesus that does it all. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Come on, church. Jesus is the answer to everything. Everything. Everybody say everything. Everything, come on, church. I told somebody last night, I forgot who was standing right here. Last night, we're praying over people. I said, I felt almost guilty, Pastor, because my job is a little bit too easy. Because when people come to counsel in that room, whether both my wife and I, myself, or just her, whatever, when people come to us and say, Help, help, I need to talk to you about ABC, my, my medicine cabinet's got one prescription. Brother Ben. Open it up, I dare you. You're going to find Jesus there. Dr. Jesus. You're depressed? Dr. Jesus. You got anxiety? Dr. Jesus. You sick? Dr. Jesus. But the church is not convinced of that. By and large, we're not saying everybody. 
But by and large, you find the church having so many complicated formulas so they can sell so many more books. Ministry should not be that complicated. It should not be that sophisticated. People come in and they have all these things. I got uh, someone that I know right now. I'm working with them side by side to help in the technical area. And they're pursuing an issue that involves the psychology of man. They're pursuing a problem that is prevalent. And that, Lord knows, we both agree we got to attack this issue. But their prescription is much different than mine. Their prescription, their approach, their plan of attack is much different than mine. And with good intentions, we can put the the wisdom of man, the Bible says, is foolishness unto God. God's ways is higher than our ways. And let me tell you, church, if you come with any other problem, any problem you think there's any other problem other than Jesus, you are not approaching the cross. You are not applying the blood. You are not applying the word of God the way it is. If you have any other answer than Jesus Christ himself, you are wrong. I know that sounds arrogant, Pastor Glenn, and I'm sorry. I don't mean that to sound arrogant. I mean that to be real. I said that earlier that all of us had different mountains, either still prevalent or have been removed or even maybe, maybe came back. Round two, amen? But Lord, though you slay me, yet I will serve you. Three desperate people that we read about did three desperate things. We compare these three to the crowd. And I want us to look at this. Notice that the three people that we just read about, now there were more. Brother Wayne and I talked about it this morning. There were more desperate people in the scripture that I could have brought out. We're, for the sake of time, we're not going to go through all of them. But just in the three and a half years of ministry that are recorded out of the four gospels, there were more people that did desperate things to receive their healing. But in these three circumstances, all three had a crowd and had the desperate person. Now, what I saw that the Lord was pulling the pieces together as he was revealing this word, it was unraveling. One box led to a new box, led to a new box. God revealed this to me that we need to compare the three desperate people versus the crowd. They did something just a bit more than that crowd did that got Jesus' attention. Take note, the crowd is just the crowd. Blind Bartimaeus has a name. Even the woman with the issue of blood is specified. Zacchaeus has a name. They did something that got Jesus' attention that was much more than rubbing shoulders with him. One pressed in. One climbed. Just took it higher. And one cried out. And in opposition, cried all the more. Go to Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to read verse thir- through verse 13. And this is my closing scripture. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And I want us to, to look at this. Many of us know, and many of us can quote it. I know some of us in this room that's got this monogrammed on a, in a frame on their wall in the living room somewhere. This is a very pow- popular verse of scripture. I know people that aren't even saved that can quote this 
For I know the thoughts that I think of towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected, what's that word? Note that it did not say to give you an expected now. The story ain't over. The story's not over. It says, the thoughts think of you, peace, not of evil, all these wonderful, fluffy things, but it comes at the expense of it being at the end. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, I will give you an expected end. So though you might be going through that, God is using your desperate situation to lead you to desperate measures. Being destitute is prime real estate for people to call out to God. Prime real estate. Verse 12, it says this, And then you shall call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. He will hear your prayer when you cry out to him. God does not despise a broken and contrite heart. Amen? Church, say amen. amen. And now check this out. Verse 13, and I've said this before, I'll say it again. My favorite word. <laughs> and ye shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. And that's the key word I want us to take away. Just those three and many more to be exampled, but we can't for the sake of time. They pursued it with all of their heart. That woman said, I ain't got nothing to lose because I lost every penny. I'm worse off. I might get killed for doing this, but I'm going to press through the crowd and I'm going to reach Jesus. I'm going to do what it takes to get my miracle. I'm going to do what it takes to get my breakthrough. How big is your want to? And I'm going to say, if God's a jealous God, in his mercy, he will put you in those desperate measures to give you unction, to call out to. And that's where I'm going to go back to Exodus. Everybody knows the story of the Israelites. If you've ever seen Charlton Heston's movie, The Ten Commandments, 400, not four years, not 40 years, 400 years of slavery. I didn't have this in my notes, but at the very tail end of completing my notes, I found that opening, that, that verse that I opened with, and I, rem I remembered this, ver this passage that I, that I read. If you go to the very next verse, Go to the very next verse, uh, uh, verse uh, 14. Y'all look at this. How many of y'all know that the Bible says that every good and perfect gift comes from above? Anybody believe that? Say amen. That is truth. But notice, I want for you to check out this theological reality. Verse 14, Jeremiah, the 29th chapter. It says, and I will be found in you. Notice this is right after he said, if you search for me with all your heart, then and only then you will find me. In other words, we can't come to God with that 90%. Lord knows that's easy. Or even that 99%. Brother, he wants our 100%. 100%. And be found in you, of you. Did we get it? Okay. Saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity. Well, that's beautiful. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? I will turn away your captivity. And I will gather you from all the nations, and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. Keep going. Very next, it's still part of the same verse. And I will bring you again unto the place whence, notice this church, I have caused you to be carried away captive. Brother Will, y'all saw that? 
I will bring you again into the place whence I have caused you to be carried away captive. A lot of people don't like to, to know this, but if God has to put you in slavery, make you call out to him, I'm not ashamed to tell you that's his word, he does it. If he did it for his own people in the Bible, how much more would he do it for us adopted Gentiles? Sometimes, church, hear me. Sometimes what we're going through may not be the devil's fingerprints. Sometimes the turmoil that we're enduring and we're frustration where we're thinking, Lord, help me, it's because he's trying to get our attention. In his mercy, he puts us into captivity to get our heart right with God. That's his mercy. I was backsliding in Bible college, backsliding in Bible college. But when my mama died and I stood before all the people, family and friends, and I knew I was doing, she asked me to, to preach her funeral. I had to say this to them. I said, the one thing my mom always told me, that the only thing she ever wants is for me to be in God's perfect will and to be the preacher, the minister that God has called me to be. And let me tell you something, losing my mama in a house fire, unexpected, that was my captivity. That was my trial. This rebellious Bible college student got shook hard. But it was that captivity that got me where Mama always wanted me to be in God's perfect will. And here I am today. Amen? Let's stand. I love you guys very much. God doesn't want us to be in captivity, but He will put us there if it means our salvation. If you're backsliding and you find yourself going through a turmoil, it's likely that God puts you there so that you would call out to Him. The Israelites had every reason to cry out to God, and God delivered them. But the specific verse I read where He said, I have put them there myself, I allowed them to be carried captive, was not the Egyptian captivity. There's a point to this. That was the Babylonian captivity. I know all of us in this room have made a decision at some point in our lives for Christ. I know every single vessel, every person under the sound of my voice has said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Change my life. I surrender all. Lord, I'm all in. But the Israelites did just like we do at times. And here we are back again into the same vomit that was thrown up. The dog returning to his vomit. And they went in Babylonian captivity. But that captivity, that was the one that God said, I let it happen. Because I'm reminding them, they lost their first love. They lost their first love. If you lost unction, if you look and you stand before the mirror and say, God, I realized I've lost my desperation. I've lost the tenacity that says, I'm going to cry all the more. That's what these altars are for. That's the message. If that is you, come on now and repent and give it to God and say, Lord, give me unction. Give me unction. Let me cry all the more. I'm going through a hard time. And God, I realize that it might even be your hand. But though you slay me, yet I will serve you. We need unction, church. Leonard Ravenhill said it best when he said that the problem with the church today, we lack in unction. We have the truth, he says. We have truth, but we have no unction. So God, this morning, with no one looking around, 
God, we pray that you would birth in us a spirit of unction. God, give us the spirit of the woman with the issue of blood that against all odds, risking everything, that we can press through the crowd against what our spouse might be telling us, against what our parents might be telling us, against what our children might be saying, our bosses, whomever the crowd might be, God, we say away with that. God, I will do everything to pursue you, God. I will raise my hands higher. I will run farther, God. I will cry louder, God. I will pray longer, God. I will seek your face with all of my heart. That is the word of the Lord. Teach us, God. Teach us, God. You're enough for me. Yes, you're enough for me. Let's worship. Make us desperate, God, because we need it in 2019. The world's falling apart. Governments are falling apart. This nation is falling apart. But God, let us be desperate and cry out all the more. Cry all the more. Cry all the more for me. Oh, you're enough, Lord, you're enough for me. I'm going to press in. I'm going to press through. I'm going to do what needs to be done, God, to get more of you, Jesus. To be a parent, we need Jesus. To be a preacher, we need Jesus. To be, Lord, a wife, we need Jesus. Oh, for me as a husband, we need Jesus. God, we need more. Oh, you take from me. God, I thank you for Though you ruin me, still I will worship. Sing a song to the one who's all I need. Oh, though you slay me. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yes, God, I will bless your name, ruin me, still I will worship, sing a song to the one soul I need. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.